2: Today on Barca Talk FC Barcelona had a day of debuts in a scoreless draw with Huesca while they got a so-so result in Manchester in the first leg of the Champions League quarterfinal. FC Barcelona B lent several players to the Huesca match but also had a 3-2 win of their own over Levante in Segunda B and Valverde has spoken out about Umtiti he'll have to work hard to reclaim a spot in the starting lineup First, a little bit of news. Diego Costa's red card at Camp Nou against Barcelona last Saturday could end up costing the Atletico Madrid forward dearly. According to Cope and Radio Marca, the competition committee will come down hard on Costa. He received four for the insult and another four for grabbing referee Manzano. The question in the Spanish capital is, has Costa played his last game with Atletico? Since coming back to Atletico, he has had more cards than goals. The Barcelona Foundation are running a program in the Bekaa Valley, Lebanon, which was featured recently by Suzanne Rack, writing for The Guardian. The Foundation's main goal with this program is not to find the next Middle Eastern Lionel Messi. Rather, it's about the social power of football and its ability to smash down the barriers society constructs between people and cultures. And we highly urge you to read this article that highlights this power of football and how it is helping to create opportunities for refugee children. Barcelona president Josep Maria Bartomeu has told ESPN FC in an exclusive interview that he wants Messi to remain linked to the club forever and that he plans to sit down with the forward soon to discuss extending his contract. The Argentina international is showing no signs of slowing down on the pitch. He has already scored 42 goals in all competitions this season and Bartomeu is already thinking it would be his 10th and potentially last professional deal at Camp Nou. Bartomeu said, we want him to have a really long career so we can keep on enjoying him. And Lionel's managed to break down borders. Everyone admires him, and he's applauded at other stadiums by rival fans. At Barca Talk, we hope he stays at the club and is a lifer. Barca coach Ernesto Valverde addressed the situation of French defender Samuel Umtiti on Friday. Valverde said, I think he's doing fine. He's been out of action for a long time, and the defensive line is playing at a really high level. What Umtiti has to do is work hard and focus on getting back to his best. He's keen to contribute, though opportunities for Umtiti to play have been few and far between since being sidelined by a knee injury. More on that in a moment. All right, this is Barca Talk, back to normal operating procedure. I'm Brian Henderson, back in Buffalo, New York. And joining me as always is Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid.
0: Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are we doing, buddy? You back to normal there in
2: I'm, Buffalo? I'm back in my normal place. I'm physically, but I'm not sure if my brain <laughs> is quite back. We 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 got to, um you know, we we spent about 18 hours traveling from Madrid back to New York. And then we spent the weekend in New York City visiting with some friends. And that helped us to readjust a little bit. But... As as you do in New York City, a friend of mine was playing a show last night. They went on around 10. So I went to go see the show and then that was way down on the Lower East Side. And we were staying with a friend of Megan's who lives in Washington Heights, which is on the complete other end of Manhattan. And so it was late and we took the train, took the subway and just took a really long time for us to get there. We were each falling asleep on the train, which is not a good idea but we got home, we got a few hours of sleep and now we're we're back in Buffalo. You know, Buffalo does not disappoint, man. It is gloomy and rainy and cold. So I'm 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 back and I'm I have my stuff, which is nice. I've, I'm I'm back with my nice microphone and in my comfort zone, but uh yeah, my brain is is still readjusting.
0: How are, how are you? I'm good, man. Uh we kind of had the opposite here. We had a really nice day here in Madrid, not to rub it in. And, um, you know, obviously, I mean, last weekend was just a, a whirlwind, you know, especially with the game, the party, the live show and everything. But it was it was fantastic. As I was commentating with another friend of mine, it was just amazing to meet so many people from all over the world. And FC Barcelona was the connection. And just listening to people's stories of how they became fans or their first game at the Camp Nou I just couldn't get enough of it. It was just awesome to meet everyone. I mean, we met people from Baghdad, from South America, you know, obviously in Los Angeles, other places in the United States, New York, Texas, Leon, uh, Leon, France, and and so forth. And it it was just an amazing weekend, Brian. And then obviously it was great to meet you finally in person. And obviously we got the victory. So you know, what could you say about that weekend? Yeah. Oh, it was great. Megan asked me a couple of times,
2: like, was it weird? to finally meet Gabriel and I was, and I just said, well, no, not really. Because I, I, I know you, we talk all the time. It's the only thing that's different is that we were in the same actual physical space. (laughs) But the one thing I learned about you that I didn't know before was this one little detail. And I told you this is that I didn't realize what beautiful hazel eyes you had (laughs) because on the video conference that we see it, we don't have that much detail. But apart that from true. that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Gabriel. Like,
0: we're hanging out now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. It took us maybe like, what, one or two minutes to kind of figure out the things. And then we just kind of went right into the normal routine that we normally do. And, you know, I really had a lot of fun recording live. And obviously, we did the bonus episode this past week in my cozy apartment in Madrid. So that was a lot of fun as well. And, of course, you know, we just got to plan more trips in the future. That's that's basically the, you know, what we got to do.
2: Yeah. And let me tell the listeners... We really need to get Gabriel some art to put on his walls in his living room particularly. I didn't get a good look at the bedroom, but the living room is um it's it has very nice white walls and
0: that's all you can see. <laughs> well, you don't know, you know why. You know why this is, Brian is because I've been such a nomad for the last five years. Right. This is part of the problem, right? And so now that I have actually have roots now, I mean this is on my list of things to do. And hopefully the next time I'll have art. So the art will come sooner than later. It's just, it's kind of like a psychological thing, Brian. Like I've been a nomad for so long, and now that I've actually got my residency here in Spain, that kind of has clicked, and now I'm actually starting to, you know, I'll build roots here in my apartment. Yeah,
2: and I have a recommendation. Like maybe if you got some uh, some nice tapestries, some some like soft kind of material but that's artistic to hang on your walls. Mm -hmm. It would look good. It would dress up the place nicely. And it would also help with the sound because, (laughs) because your living room has a lot of echo in it. I, I had, I got in there, I snapped my fingers and I heard it reverberate for an extra minute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the other thing, right? The artwork would help with the sound, obviously just soak up Um, a little bit of that. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you know, first things first, Brian. I got I to gotta get some other things first before I get the artwork. But it will come. Sure. It will come soon.
2: Yeah, it goes in steps. <laughs> I understand. Well, so this one uh, news item that we had at the top of the show we wanted to talk about is about Umtiti and what Valverde had to say about him because he's he's run into some bad luck. Uh, because as Valverde said, it was cited in this sport article, he said the defensive line is playing extremely well. And he's referring to mainly Piquet and Longley. They've been playing well, and Umtiti is now a backup center back. So we have a, an embarrassment of riches, really, with center backs if Umtiti is a, a backup. But it looks as though Umtiti is going to be limited for the rest of the year because we know how Valverde is. He wants to ride the hot hand. He likes how Pique and Longley are working together. He likes that choice. So he's met, he's said that Umtiti is going to ha- have to work really hard if he wants to get back into a starting lineup. And then more importantly, this summer, the, the talk about Delict is heating up that much more. So the question arises, will FCB sell Untiti and make money off of him and keep Longley as a, you know, a cheaper alternative, especially since he's shown that he can play at a high level.
0: This is quite a quandary, right? (laughs) Because, you know, you know, my love for Untiti. I love this guy. he is, so good as a center back but you know at the same time you gotta be financially you know responsible with these with these signings. I think for me the biggest kind of wrench into this is the delict thing because if that signing happens then I would I could totally see Barcelona selling um just because of the cost that they can get for him in return, right? And then keeping Long Late, PK and Delict as the three major center backs. Um, but again I hope that they can come to an agreement. I just, you know, TT has been working hard. You know, we, we've chronicled his injuries this year and, you know, we wanted him to have surgery so that he can be completely healthy for the summer. Again, we saw his debut against Villarreal, which was kind of a nightmare. And also, you know, he played against Huesca. He looked fine there. So again, he's coming back slowly, but as we've talked about, Valverde, is going to ride long late and PK for the, for the remainder of the year. Yeah, because that's his way. And so it's, it's just a,
2: a real shame with the, the the injury troubles that Umtiti has had this year because he's so great. And it's a bummer that just something like that could essentially take him out of the squad entirely or out of the club entirely. Because someone at his quality, you would want to hold on to him. Not just his quality, but, I mean, he's he is so big and yet intelligent and you know he's so he's physical, but he's smart, you know he's not some bruiser he's so he's like he's neither p k nor long lay he has these attributes that are unique and unexpected and it's a it would be a shame to lose him, but you could see how he's he's probably pretty expensive long lay we got on the cheap we can get delict pretty cheap p k is p k you know that's especially if the delict deal goes through I think it's almost certain that umtiti will go somewhere else and he'll probably have a great career there.
0: Yeah, I mean this is the thing that kind of confuses me is that do we really need Delict? You know, do we really need him? I mean he is a hot prospect. He's super young. But again, Umtiti's twenty five. So he still has playing to give FC Barcelona at the cost and the potential he has. Now I know there's the injury scare, but again, of what I saw with Murillo and Todibo, I still think we have an embarrassment of riches with the center back's position that we don't really need to go after Delict. I know that's a really, I don't know, many coolies want that. But to me, I just feel that we already have that settled that we have no reason to get. It. Are we just getting him just to have, you know, other teams not get him? You know, for example, Real Madrid and mm. so forth. Is that really the the aim of just getting him, right? Because again, Delict is 19. Where is he going to fit? Do you knock him out for Longlet or MTT if they're fully healthy? I wouldn't.
2: Yeah, at this point, I mean, speaking of writing the hot hand i mean if you want to keep going with what's working well the other thing to consider is let's say we take pk out of the equation because okay you know give it a give it another year maybe another two years maybe even another three but you know pk is nearing the end of his career that's sure there's no doubt about that just because of his age like i said it could be one two maybe three years but You know, of course, the club needs to be thinking about the future in that position. And I do think that we have, I think Todibo is looking really good. So I think he's one to hold on to. And we already have him. So do we need to go out of our way to get Delict when we already have Todibo, Longley, Murillo as backup, and who else?
0: Vermalin. Just
2: kidding. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in that case, I mean, because
0: you should have four. Yeah, that's, that's all you really need, four. And if you really want to play it, save five, right. right? But again, you know, remember in the beginning of the year, we were in desperate need of center backs with injuries, but then we were able to ride it out and we were fine. Again, I think four is an optimal number. And like you said, if we're going to take PK out, I'm perfectly uh, happy with Umtiti and Longley as being the future center back pairing for a long time to come. That's why, you know, with this Delict rumors, yeah, it's very nice to have it. But if we had an absolute need, and maybe let's say if Longley wasn't having the season that he's having or as we're seeing how good he is as a, as a defensive back, then I would say, yes, bring in the because we need to improve that position. It's not like when we had Mathieu. remember? Mm-hmm. You know, when he was playing for us, he was OK against lower tier teams, but against upper tier teams, he struggled. And that was an absolute need, but we needed to address that. And that's when we got him TT, right? With our defensive backs right now, it is something that is very hard to do, Brian, in, in most world football because – just to have one awesome center back is really nice to have two or three is crazy. You know, think about all the teams just in La Liga, you know, I can't think of any other teams that have really great center backs, you know, obviously outside of Atletico Madrid, for example, but, you know, that are potential young, you know, well-founded in their, in their, you know, tactics and principles like Umtiti, Longley PK, you know, for example, I mean, Umtiti is a world cup winner. You know, he's played a lot of matches. He already has a lot of experience for just being 25. As you know, last season, I fell in love with the way he was able to defend and obviously from defending to pass the ball to the midfield. So I would just kind of wait for him, TT, and I would hold off on the Delik signing. That's, that's what I would do personally if I were in charge of the signings. Sure, sure.
2: No, I get that. And I don't really have an argument against it. But I do know that sometimes the club will make certain decisions partially for public relations reasons. You know, it looks like a good signing. We get these two players from Ajax. They're both young. They're both, they know each other. So trying to create this connection, there's kind of a, there's sort of a story there that you can, that you can market. That's the only other thing I can think of as to why
0: they would be so gung-ho about it. Sure. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's, it's, a, it, like you said, it's a PR splash. It's, it's a great signing. Again, I just don't think we need it. We already have Jong, so just bring him in. Um, I would you know, hold off on the lake because I just don't think there's a need. We can focus the money on something else or just save it, you know, right. If we sell Coutinho or something, we get even more money from that. So we will see, you know, obviously I don't think they're going to sell Coutinho, but you know, you have other needs that we can address and still use the same formula that we use this off season by getting players that have potential that aren't so expensive that'll find time on our team and actually contribute.
2: Yeah. That's all we need is good contributions. We saw a couple Barca B starlets in action this weekend in La Liga, here with some insight into those performances and an
1: update on the B team is Max Bleuer. What a weekend for the B team it's been. We'll start today's roundup in Huesca, Aragon, where the first team had an admittedly uninspiring nil-nil draw with bottom-placed SD Huesca. Excitingly though, Ricky Puig and Musa Wage made their La Liga debuts for the first team, while Abel Ruiz made the bench for the first time. Unsurprisingly... Our boys started off a bit nervously, Valverde acknowledged as much after the game, but very much grew into the contest. Carlos El played the 90 minutes, but was disappointing. He was uninvolved for large stretches of the game and missed a couple of presentable half-chances. At least though he was getting forward from midfield and supporting the strikers, a key part of his game, bearing in mind the potency of his choosing. But Carlos was outshone in midfield by his partner Ricky Puig, who was the source of most of the spark and invention in what was otherwise quite an attritional game. His highlight came in the 15th minute with a classic Ricky move. Putting into practice one of my favourite Spanish football phrases, he showed off his elastic ankle, i.e. twisting it almost 90 degrees, to deliver a stunning disguised pass that put de Bele through on goal, a chance that the Frenchman really should have put away. Despite his youth, it was Ricky who was always showing for the ball and progressing the play forward, showing up Alainia a little bit in the process. He also demonstrated a facet to his game that we don't get to see very often, Picking up the ball on the edge of his own area, he zoomed upfield, leaving several Wesker players trailing in his wake, showing a turn of acceleration that will stand him in very good stead in the future. Ricky faded after half time; The physicality was much greater than what he's used to, and midway through the second half was replaced by Coutinho, who shockingly did absolutely nothing. But Ricky's 67 minutes on the pitch were as bright and sparky as you would expect, and left Kouroude's appetites whetted for much more next season. Unlike Ricky, Musa Wage played the entire 90 minutes, Although he didn't start well, by the end he was bombing up and down the touchline, delivering dangerous crosses, playing 1-2 with Alenya and generally looking the part. It would not at all be a surprise if he we were promoted to the first team squad next season, possibly allowing Sergio Roberto to finally establish himself in midfield. Valverde did well by the youngsters by switching to a 3-5-2 formation. By putting Ouage at right wing back, rather than his usual full-back position, he ensured that the Senegalese had another line of defence behind him, should he be caught upfield. That insurance seemed to allow Waggy to play with more freedom than he otherwise might have on debut. He constantly supported the attack, safe in the knowledge that a centre-back was behind him if anything went wrong. And that's not to say that he didn't defend very well. Very few Wesker chances came from his side, and in the 86th minute, a brilliant last-minute tackle denied Chemi Avila a 1-on-1 against Testogun. The 3-5-2 also benefited Ricky in the same way. With one more defender behind him than he would normally have in Basta's classic 4-3-3, he could afford to focus more on what he does best, and leave a little more of the defending to the guys behind him. When Barca announced their 18-man score the day before the game, in amongst the plaudits for Valverde for being brave enough to play so many youngsters, many wondered why the likes of Miranda and Oriel Busquets were not called up too, especially as Jordi Albert really could have done with the rest. Although it would have been fun to see Miranda bombing up the left-hand side, mirroring Wage on the right, just as he does at the Mini study, it seems that Coach Pimy and Valverde have agreed that after his terrible performance in the Copa earlier in the season against Cultural Leonessa, Miranda shouldn't play again with the first team this year. And this makes sense. Everyone at the club agrees that Miranda has a bright future with the Barca, but he's only 19 and there's no need to rush him. Another bad performance with the first team could prove catastrophic for his confidence. Better then to ease him in in pre-season in the summer so that he'll be ready to play a part in next year's first team campaign. And it shouldn't be forgotten that the B team needs some players too. Miranda and captain Oriel Busquets played the 90 minutes in a dramatic 3 2 win over Levante Bay. It came straight after the first team game and more than made up for the lack of goals in Huesca. A madcat first half that featured some hopeless defending from both sides saw the scores locked at 2 2, with Rafa Mujica and Carlos Perez getting the goals for Barça Bay. The second half was a torrid affair that seemed to be drifting to a draw until Mavales popped up in the 81st minute to ping home across from Miranda who made up for the fact that both Levante goals came from his side by providing the assist for the winner. Thanks to Villarreal and Corneille both losing, Barca Bay are currently in fifth, just one spot and two points off the playoff places. Their next game will be away next week to Valencia Bay.
2: That was Max Bleuer, And now it's time for the Barca Talk Guard of Honour. This week, we're giving the Guard of Honor to Victor in Houston. Victor, of course, is a longtime friend and supporter of the show on Patreon. In fact, he has just persuaded us to give supporters at the $3 a month level access to our weekly bonus episodes every other week. Previously, it was restricted. You didn't get any of those at the $3 a month level, but now you do, thanks to Victor. He's also the man leading the charge in our annual Barcelona Soccer Camp fundraiser. We are painfully close to our fundraising goal, only $40 away. So, follow the FCB Camp link in the show notes and give a few bucks to send some kids to Barca Camp this summer in Houston. And a big thanks to Victor for both his support of the show and for spearheading that project. And you should support the show on Patreon, too. There's this one thing that you should know. There's a podcast, not unlike ours, that covers Real Madrid called managing madrid and those guys have almost 600
0: patrons we currently only have 19 brian i don't know if you know this about me but when we when i play sports i'm ultra competitive in a good way i can in a imagine way, i can imagine in a healthy way yeah and basically what brian and i are saying is you know don't let this real madrid podcast beat ours you know Help us grow our Patreon community. We are looking to expand and do amazing things. We want to get more Barca access. We want to go to more games. But by contributing to our Patreon community, we will be able to achieve those goals in the upcoming year.
2: Yeah, and just don't let the Real Madrid podcast do better than the Barcelona podcast. It's science.
0: It's just science. (laughs) Hashtag don't let RM beat us. That's right. We're starting a new hashtag with our Twitter Uh, Don't let RM beat us. So spread the word. Help us grow our Patreon community so that we can ultimately make this podcast even better than it is now, get more Barca access, and so forth.
2: Yes. Now, another way you can help support the show is through our Amazon Marketplace. We have links to these products on the website, barsatalk.net, in the notes for a particular episode. So you have to kind of click on the name of the episode and then go down and you can find links for these particular products and any purchase you make through those links will funnel a couple of uh, euro cents or pesetas our way so this week i chose an item it's a it's a hoodie and it's not an officially licensed barca hoodie but it does have a um mostly a barcelona crest on it but some of the stuff is messed with so i don't know if it's i don't know how official it is but there's kind of a barca crest and then there's a 10 with an M on it, so it's it's a it's a messy hoodie, but it's actually a pretty sick design. I'm into it and it's, you know, it's under $30. It looks warm and it's a cool design. It's like red on black. So that's my item for this week.
0: I like your item. I checked it out. Looks pretty nice. Like you, you know, would wear that. I, yeah, I would definitely wear it. Um mine is a Nike FC Barcelona warm-up pants. So I would wear easy. that. Yeah, there I when I first moved here to Madrid, I bought some because I didn't have any to, you know, when I went to go play football or to go running. And what I like about these type of uh, pants is they're kind of tapered down through the calf into your um, ankles. So, for example, if you're playing football, it's not loose and it's kind of tight and it's you see the players wear it all the time, which is nice and comfortable. Obviously, it's perfect to lounge around. I still have mine. It's my favorite kind of sleepwear. And so that's the item I picked. I think they're really good for anybody that is active, still playing football, or wants to run outside because of the way they're tapered down. It's it's a nice, comfortable feeling for those pants.
2: Yeah, two really nice pieces of apparel that we have curated for you. So if you're interested in either of those products, find the links in the uh, notes for the episode on the website at barzatalk.net. Now let's look at uh, La Liga. We're going to go sort of backwards chronologically because – the Saturday match against Huesca was not exactly what I would call a main event topic for this show. But, of course, we there are certainly some things to talk about with it. So we went to Huesca, played at the El Alcoraz. It was match day 32 in La Liga. The result was a nil-nil draw. So the race for La Liga is going well after beating Atletico, all but clinching the championship. And this match day, 32 presented an opportunity for Valverde to rest his key players ahead of the second leg of Champions League quarterfinals with Manchester United. And the squad list was missing some big names, missing Piquet and Suarez to suspension, Rakitic and Sergio Roberto to illness and injury, and finally, just at his own decision, in his wisdom, Valverde left out Messi and Busquets, so it was mostly an opportunity for bench players and B-team players to get some first-team minutes, ending in that nil-nil draw. And for instance, the way that uh, Max detailed already, Wague and Ricky Pooch had their La Liga debuts in this match. But also, there were two more debuts for first-team players, Todibo and Murillo. And that's in La Liga, because until this point, they had only played in Copa del Rey and in the Catalonia Super Cup up to this point. Now, with the formation the way it was, the way I saw it, it looked as though there was more width because that's the, that's the thing that you are always talking about, Gabriel, is our lack of width, particularly on the right side. And with this particular lineup where we had a five-person midfield, Ricky Puch, Wage, Malcolm, Vidal, Alenia, and then Prince and Dembele up top, I was seeing more more width, particularly because of Malcolm. Dembele and Wogway spreading the defense out in both directions and then just leaving Prince
0: there in the middle. Yeah, I mean, when I saw this lineup, I was super excited. I mean, Twitter was on fire, Brian, with when this lineup came out because everyone knew, you know, it was Barca B debuts and obviously just to kind of change it up as well, you know, uh, giving the starters a rest going through this game. But yeah, just like you described it, you know, in on the TV screen that I was watching, they said three, five, two. On the who scored, they said 3-1-4-2. I kind of believe more was a 3-1-4-2 because Vidal was back there, kind of in that old Mascherano role, you know, right in front of the three backs kind of a thing. So like you said, though, the width was the difference. And I knew we were going to have more, not more attacking, but we were going to use both sides because we had no preference, especially with Messi being gone. And that's exactly what happened you know, Wagyu was on the right wing and Malcolm was on the left and both of them created not only width, but they also expanded all the way up to the top as well. So, you know, I thought it was a very interesting formation, you know, as we talked about always with rotation and so forth, um, you know, as I was talking to you earlier before, I was like, well, Verde just loves doing things to extreme sometimes, you know, he's so conservative and extremely conservative. And then when he does rotation, he just brings everyone, you know, he brings all the Barca B players and, and, and so on. So,
2: yeah, it's not like one click of rotation.
0: It's like one, 180 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But again, I was excited to see what they were going to be able to bring. And I knew it was going to be a little bit more direct attacking as opposed to the side to side that we saw against Manchester United. So for me as just a pure football fan, I knew the game was going to be a little bit more end to end just because of the lack of messy dependence and also having the speed all around the field
2: yeah now as far as the uh, debut players uh, max already talked about Wagwe and ricky pooch oh uh, and you have a couple of things to say at least about pooch but uh, first let's focus on toribo and murillo particularly toribo but w- what do you
0: think about them and how they were looking i mean i have here my notes wow <laughs> when we saw the barca B kind of lineup heavy lineup you know, you think about them being physically just smaller, like especially Ricky Puig and Alenius is getting bigger, but he's not quite there yet. He's still grown, you know? He's a 21-year-old guy, right? Right. Or 22, you know? But then when I saw Todibo and Murillo out there compared to the Huesca players, I was you're just kind of like, whoa, who are these guys? Because they really stood out on my TV. I don't know about you, but for me just watching, especially Todibo, especially the way he moves, I mean, a couple times he was not even phased by the wingback trying to make moves. I remember one time the wingback tried to make a cut in the middle and he just turned around and just glided back. I was like, whoa, that's impressive because that's a really hard thing to do on defense to if you're going to get, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're going to get like uh, used on that move <laughs> and then recover just as quickly and still block the shot, for me, those are signs. And as I point out to Twitter, because I put the question out to Twitter, what did you think about their performances, Murillo and Toribo? Because maybe I'm overreacting because I just you know, saw their performance and the way they shut things down. And people did agree with this. I mean, especially with the Totibo, especially the way he was able to link up with Wagu and also through Vidal. So I think that was really interesting to see, especially this was basically his first game with this team.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was very much his first game with this team. And I was also really taken by his uh, his speed and his uh, his positioning and the way he was turned. The way his body was pointing at all times, he he really stood out as, uh, pr- particularly considering his youth, as someone with a lot of potential and a very, very smart buy.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the other thing, too, with Murillo, for example, when you saw the starting lineup, it's, you know, why wouldn't you have Umtiti in the center? Right. But Valverde went with Murillo, and I thought that was a really good call because, you know, as we talked about, Umtiti's left-footed. So that's just a better natural progression to have him on that left side. But again, with Murillo, he was a beast in the air. Nothing got cleared on the air. They were able to clear everything, especially when they are only three back. But for me, the, the the stat that I have for you, Brian, is just, you know, between the two of those guys, they had five aerials and they won all of them. And then more importantly, Bo's tackles. He had eight attempted, eight completed. Wow. So that just, that's just really a nice stat. I know stats aren't everything, but especially with this, his tackling, the way it was so timed. And he was just never phased by... The player, of, players of Huesca coming down that left side, I mean, he handled the high balls easy. He was physical when he had to be. He didn't create too many fouls. And again, just like the tackles, that's a really hard thing to do, especially, you know, he's never really, he's never been playing against La Liga players yet. And just the way he was able to just fit right in. And I almost have this question for you. Out of the three now, todibo Semedo, Sergio Roberto. I know we just saw one game of todibo but... That's going to put a monkey wrench into that rotation if Todibo continues to have performances like this. Well, with but, Sergio Roberto,
2: but Todibo is more a central, a center back or a, more of a central defender, or a, like a defensive midfielder rather than a wing back or fullback.
0: Could have fooled me yesterday, right?
2: No, that's true. <laughs> but I think generally he seems to be more comfortable in the center and working his way he does play really positively and sometimes even though he's nominally a center back he looks more like a center mid with attacking ideas yeah. which is really really fun and cool to watch uh but i don't think he, that the samedo sergio roberto uh issue is gonna be com- i don't think that's gonna be complicated by todibo okay the, the bigger thing would be Wagway next year
0: that's true. That's true. But the other thing too, is, you know, with the spacing of the three back, you know, Tony boat had to cover a lot of space when you have four back, he doesn't have to cover as much space and he could even be more effective. Now, like you said, he is more, you know, his preferred position is in the center center back or center defensive mid, but again, just his flexibility to play a right back and play it well as he's played his old life. It seemed like that's something crazy, Brian, right? Because that is such a hard thing to do to transition from the middle to the right back and also just make it look so fluid. And for me, he was one of the defensive standouts for Barca yesterday.
2: Oh, absolutely. No, he stood out not only because eyes were on him because it was again, really his first actual competitive debut, because I don't think the Catalonia super cup really counts. It was his actual real, like it was definitely his La Liga debut, obviously. So I think a lot of eyes were on him. My mine certainly were, and he did not disappoint. He really impressed. And he, he really let us know that he's he's here to
0: play now what did you think about Vidal yeah so I thought this was Vidal's best match uh, as a Barca player bar none because this is the type of role that he is you know tailored to play you know to to link the passing from the back to the to the attacking mids be physical on defense and just connect those things you know I mean how many great tackles did he make yesterday Made a lot of tackles. A lot you know? of good tackles, yeah. A lot of good tackles because he was able to read. He was going forward to p- make the play as opposed to going side to side or jumping in the air like he did against Manchester. <laughs> right. <laughs> Throwing himself at people. I mean, he was basically playing. I mean, if you qu- equate it to American football, for example, like free safety, where he was able to scan in front of him, read, and then react that way, as opposed to having his back turned running with the player on defense. So when you have that type of positioning where you have, you know, all those four midfielders in front, it gives you a luxury where you can read and react. And Vidal's a smart player in that position. And for me, I, I had to do a double take a couple of times because I, I thought it was Mascherano playing out there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had some Mascherano-esque moments. And as far as uh, the, speaking of stats he actually had a pretty good uh, pass accuracy rate of 85%, and he made a total of 63 passes. There are some games where he doesn't come anywhere close to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, more than anything, he just was platooned to not go so forward, you know? And also, just like I said, he was able to just kind of, as a free safety role, just react to the attacking that was coming up. So, you know, basically they were playing almost kind of like three and a half back there with, with Vidal, and Vidal is... When he's able to read those balls and make those tackles, he's a formal defender. And Huesca had a hard time trying to penetrate that. Again, with those passing, I mean, I don't think we've seen total pass numbers like that all season for Vidal because, again, he was the link between, let's say, Todibo and um, Murillo to the midfielders, to Ricky Puig and Alenia.
2: Right. And if you're going to have three in the back, it's also nice to have a little bit of an insurance policy in a, a central mid who's a little bit more defensive and has that kind of presence like Vidal. Exactly. And who can also again, drop back and also become kind of an, an extra center
0: back. Exactly. So that's the thing is, you know, as I always talk about, in professional sports, Brian, you got to put these players in the best, you know, spots to succeed. And it's funny how on Wednesday night, v- Vidal came in and he looked completely lost, didn't even look like the same player that we saw yesterday. And that was just the amount of positioning and just using his skill set in the best way to make our defense, I mean, our defense looked Solid as hell yesterday. Yeah. Best performance we've seen
2: from Vidal. And that was nice. Now, one other thing, because Max mentioned Ricky Pooch and his elastic ankle and that great, great pass he made to Dembele that Dembele definitely should have finished. And I'm a little disappointed or actually very disappointed
0: that he didn't. But what else do you have? Can we say about Ricky Pooch? I mean, you can see why everyone's excited about him. You know, just his passing vision alone is something that gets you excited, especially on that play where he dimed Dembele. Dembele missed the shot that could have put us up 1 nothing. Again, you said that was a bad miss. It was a bad miss, but I just attribute that just to rust because that's just a game of, inch- of inches. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, again, you can see the fanfare just because of the vision that he does, especially in attacking. He's already seen plays ahead of the time, faster when they develop. So, I mean, how can you not get excited? I mean, he has so much potential. And also imagine if he's going to grow just a little bit more, just more physical. Wow. Look out. Yeah. We just need
2: him to bulk up a little bit. Just, <laughs> just get a little, just like, you know, a little more, a little
0: more toned. Just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Need some more egg shakes or something, you know, just yeah. some more raw eggs or something.
2: something. Yeah. Cause he's, he's gonna, he's got the skill to absolutely mess with defenders. But if he's, if he stays at his current uh, physical stature, Not his stature. I don't mean, I don't, his height is not an issue. It's that's not a problem, but just his overall strength and his ability to withstand physical pressure from, from the other players, the bigger guys, you know, you can do that. I mean, Messi does that well, but Messi, if you look at him, he's ripped, you know, yeah, he's really strong and he can, he can handle it even though he's what five, nine, right? Exactly. So Ricky just needs to put on some weight, put on some muscle and he is going to light this league on fire.
0: Exactly. The other thing, too, today, Brian, when I was watching the sports show, they were just basically they had a split screen to plays where he did Iniesta type plays. And then the other times when he did Javi type plays. Oh, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, especially with the pirouette that he did, obviously, that reminds you of Javi. But then the passing vision is just like Iniesta. So it's almost a mixture of the both. But again. It's just nice to see the the Macia DNA, right? I mean, you just see it. I mean, with him and Alenia too. I mean, I know Alenia didn't have the best game yesterday, but you can just see the positioning and the way they pass and give and go. It's just something that is just lovely to see. Yes, very lovely. So
2: those are definitely some highlights, uh, despite the you know, not great result, but not terrible result. But on the lower light end of things, in the darker end of the spectrum, what did you think about Kevin Prince Boateng?
0: So as I put in the notes here, this is my compliment sandwich, right? So the first couple of things were nice things to say about the game. This is my kind of not so nice. I mean, Kevin Prince, I mean, what is this signing? I mean, this signing from the get-go, we were confused. But he has provided nothing. And in this in this match, again, he didn't do anything. Again, as I we were talking about this earlier, you know, for me it was just a brutal performance. He didn't provide anything. He didn't pass well. He looks super slow. He looks like he's been on vacation for the last two months, essentially. Um maybe his positioning sure was okay. But every time he got fouled, he was always looking for the foul. He didn't have any shots essentially. I mean, he was just out there basically occupying space. And I just think that this has been one of the worst FC Barcelona signings in the last 10 years, for sure.
2: It was certainly one of the most curious because you're essentially, you're, you're getting a, a, a number nine, but mm-hmm. one who's already had a career basically, you know, he's, he's on the tail end and he's just looking to extend his career as much as he can, you know, try and just play a little bit more, but he doesn't come to training. He, and he, he rarely plays and he knew that he was going to rarely play. So, I mean, I think he really just sees this gig as a paycheck. He's not really trying. He's, he doesn't come to training. I mean, he comes to training when he's required to, but whenever they offer optional ones, we were talking about this during the international break, you know, the, they held optional training sessions and Boateng didn't come to a single one. Meanwhile, Malcolm went to all of them. Exactly. I mean, this is
0: all about drive, right? He just, I mean, I feel as though, yeah, like you said, he's kind of over the hill in football terms, you know, but again, I just feel like he hasn't had any international glory, right? He's never won a champions league. He's won a couple of leagues, I believe in Italy, but you're on Barcelona. Like, isn't this kind of like a dream come true? You should kind of take it and, wouldn't that be awesome to have some goals in your resume that you scored for Barcelona that were important. But again, especially on that Wagyu pass, I mean, he just looks so slow to react. His left foot barely got around to it. I mean, you, again, I just think it was such a waste of a sign. I would have preferred, especially like in this match, to either give Sergio Roberto a chance or put Coutinho in there. Or, you know, if we're talking about the Prince signing signed a mid tier La Liga striker number nine and have him, he's probably going to have more drive than, than Kevin Prince.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure, I'm sure Ibars, you know, has someone who would be a little bit more excited to be at
0: Barcelona than Boateng is. No, I mean, you have a good point. I mean, that's the thing, right. It's all about opportunity and drive so forth, you know, and again, it just, I guess it just annoys me more because when I see, you know, players not taking their opportunities, especially when Malcolm you hear what he's been doing and he's still not getting the opportunity from Valverde. It just kind of, it chaps my hide, Brian. It just chaps my hide. Sure, yeah. <laughs> sure.
2: Well, okay. So to finish off the compliment sandwich, that was the uh, the meat, mm-hmm. the, the not mm-hmm. so great things. Let's let's close it out with the the, the final compliment.
0: Sure. I mean, speed kills, right? Doesn't I mean, it? oh man, it's the thing is, Slow you know, down when you see and live, yeah, when you <laughs> when you see Dembele out there, man, it's it is good to have him back, man. He is. He's so fast, man. He just puts that defense on ice skates. I mean, how many times did he almost break through? I know that he did lose a ball a couple times, and that may frustrate some people, but this is what you get. I mean, he is so exciting. He missed the goal opportunity. I wish he would have had that because I would have really given him confidence going into Tuesday's match. But, man, it is great to see him back because against Man U, they're not going to know what hit him, especially with the suarez messi Tempele lineup going forward. The other person, too, Malcolm. I mean, Malcolm is just, he hustles, man. My mom would love him. My mom would love him, you know, just hustling all over. And the other thing, too, which I like that he does often, especially in the ends of games, is that he kind of baits the defense to kind kind of go midfield. So he gives himself a lot of cushion behind so that midfielders can do like a long ball or a through ball that he can run onto. I don't know if you noticed that. Next time, check it out, because he does that really well. He kind of... Pushes in and then releases out, which is really nice. And defenders, especially in the 85th minute, just cannot keep up with him. Yeah. Now, he had he had an opportunity. Uh, went off the post. It was a nice shot. It was a nice Again, shot. As, it was a nice shot. As we talked about him compared to Coutinho, Malcolm is always looking to score. That's part of his repertoire, and he was unlucky with that. And the other person, obviously, was Wagyu. I was really impressed with him, especially his debut, he was, the way he was able to link up with Bo. And also Dembele up front, we have a lot of speed in the Barca B ranks and on the bench, which is a lot of teams don't have that. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you say, you,
2: if you're not recruiting speed, you're chasing it.
0: No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, like I tell you, Brian, like I was never the fastest player in football, but man, the one thing that I always got nervous against other teams is they were super fast just because, you know, throughout the match it's just going to wear you out, you know, and Dembele now especially against Manchester. You know, you're going to have Messi diving left. Hopefully Dembele will be on the right side and hopefully we'll get some more goals that way. But it's really nice to have Dembele back for sure. Oh,
2: yeah, it's great to have him back. And speaking of having Dembele back, let's shift to the Champions League because he'll probably almost certainly be back in Champions League action this coming week last wednesday we were in manchester and well you and i were in madrid watching this game together which was also fun so we we got to watch two games together one live one on tv we we went to a nice little uh, cafeteria around that around mm-hmm. the corner from your apartment and watched this game it was the quarterfinals first leg in the champions league at old trafford and we won one nil on a, an own goal but the play itself that led to the own goal was all barcelona The only thing that we didn't actually get was the uh, the credit Suarez didn't get the credit for the goal at the end. But the play itself was was all Barcelona. So what are your main talking points for this match?
0: So the first thing I have is, you know, as we were joking around, when we were watching it, you know, just everything is fine. Everything is fine. You know, (laughs) Uh, you know, again, the tone of the game for me just just felt unimportant you know i don't know i don't know if it was the the overall body language of the team or whatnot but after we got that early goal i just felt like we were on cruise control from from the onset yeah because we got that goal in the 12th minute exactly and you and i were talking more about your trip to spain (laughs) during this match during actually watching the match so that should kind of tell you just kind of where our heads were because You know, even though Barcelona had the possession, you know, in this match, they had 66% possession. But man, Bryant they didn't do anything, man. They didn't do anything. They had a total of six shots with three shots on goal, and they were just going side to side. And I guess that's a, a, you know, it's one way to look at it that, you know, by having this possession and not doing anything, Manchester United could not counter and score. So I get that. But man, I just think there's an easier way to go about this where we could have been more aggressive and just put this game away on ice.
2: I I agree. Although, strangely, Manchester did not have a single shot on goal in this match.
0: They did not. I mean, again, it's attributed to our possession, but also to their lack of attacking as well, you know, just unable to get close. But man, I just I just want to see more goals. You know, we saw we were joking around when we saw the Valverde video on the sideline where he had the tie loose and he was stressing out all all across the plays. You know, and and we were just laughing because we were saying, there's an easier way to stress less. Yeah, score more goals score and more. we go through and that's it. Exactly.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> well, so what? Also, how was the? This is the thing that we keep coming back to, particularly this year, the right side. What was going on in the right side in this match?
0: I mean, it, it's just so lonely, Brian. Yeah. It's so lonely. I mean, the right side just wants to play, you know, just wants to play with Messi and others, you know, but it's just ignored on the, in the playground. But again, we've talked about this all season and it's nothing new. When I looked at the heat map preparing for this episode today, you should see it, man. It's just all red middle to the left, you know, wow. with no chance of attacking on the right, you know? And again, I understand what's happening, you know, it's not rocket science. And I understand what Valverde is doing with this lineup again. But as we harp on, I don't understand why Coutinho's in there because he provides nothing. And if you put either Sergio Roberto, Alenia, Malcolm, any of these players, I guarantee that we would have had more scoring opportunities because they would have linked up play better. Or as in Malcolm's case, they would have looked to shoot on target more.
2: Yeah, but it's, it's also worth mentioning that, you know, it was, it was the away leg. We got the away goal. And Valverde didn't lose. In fact, he won. So in a two-leg format, you know, we didn't concede a goal, got an away goal, and playing at home in the next leg should give us the advantage because of spacing in the Camp Nou. It's much bigger. With Dembele back in the lineup, he should give us the balance and speed that we we have been missing.
0: That's true. I mean, especially, I mean, if we put Dembele on the left, he's still going to try shots on goal, but also he'll take everything to the touchline. And also his... Ability to be so dangerous on the counter on the left side and then if we put him on the right side that opens up things for Messi and Suarez even more because then Dembele will attack that right side to spread that defense thin. so again having Dembele back is huge because that also means Coutinho is not going to play and also we're just more formidable in attacking so. Manchester United better look out this uh, this Tuesday night because I think we're going to be full throttle, especially with Dembele back. He's going to be looking for some goals, especially since he didn't score against Huesca. So I'm excited to see just a little bit more teeth in the attacking, and then hopefully we'll be able to advance further uh, to the Champions League. Yeah.
2: Now, what do you think the chances are that Valverde might play a lineup similar to the one he did against Huesca in this Manchester United, the second leg?
0: I don't see that happening just because there's just too many things that can go wrong. I think if anything, he would go 4-4-2 as opposed to a three, you know, five two, something like this. Um, I you know, the flexibility in the in the match against Huesca, because they are a lower tier team in La Liga, he was able to to you know gamble with that formation, but you know, this is too important. You just can't have anything go wrong because we would be out, you know, there's no second chances. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. With the La Liga, yeah, with the La Liga lead, we're able to kind of gamble with players and rotation a little bit more. But with this match against Manchester United, you know, I don't take them lightly, but at the same time, we should, especially with Dembele in the lineup and the way I know we can play on a, on a given night, we should be able to handle Manchester United pretty sound.
2: Yeah. Now, I got to tell you, when I was at the Barcelona airport getting ready to fly back home, I picked up a couple of newspapers and i know that you get the papers every day mm. but i picked up a couple of papers i got sport and uh mundo deportivo mm-hmm. and i forget in which one had this graphic but it was it was also right on fc barcelona's website so i can't imagine where these newspapers got it but <laughs> but it was a it was a breakdown a pass by pass breakdown of the one goal and it's a, it's a really impressive graphic because if you follow it it's like you were there it, it lays out who passed to whom. So it shows the order of the passes and the positions of the players when the passes happened. And the goal starts with Ter Stegen and it gradually works its way up the field, then back a little bit, but then forward again, all 11 players were involved. It was 48 passes in the space of just over two minutes. Suarez was the only one who only had one touch. If you look at the, at the graphic, just about everyone, especially, uh, People like Arthur, uh, Coutinho, Messi, Busquets, Rakitic, they all get multiple touches. Somedo had multiple touches in there. But then Suarez, he just has that final shot. But aside from him, everyone was really involved in this match, and it's
0: a really fun graphic. Did you happen to see it? I did. I mean, it's just, again, this is a thing of beauty, right? I mean, this is the thing. It's master class football, its highest form, because when you string along more than 20 passes... That's like a reason to celebrate, you know, Yeah, and to be able to do 40 continue with possession, but also just incrementally just keep moving up the field as though it doesn't seem like you're moving up the field is another advantage to this type of passing. Right. And of course, you know, Suarez just needs the one touch where he had the ball in for the goal, essentially. And again, it's a thing of beauty because Brian, this is really hard to replicate. This is obviously the ideal scenario that you would like to do you start with Ter Stegen you end up with Suarez with a goal
2: yeah or you know in this case an own goal (laughs) yeah well we we talked about that a lot because it it was originally attributed to Suarez and then Mm -hmm. eventually after halftime they changed it to an own goal and we were trying to talk about like how they decide that you know how do you know it's an own goal or not and essentially the ball was not necessarily on its own trajectory from Suarez's head headed into goal it was because of the deflection off of um Shaw yeah that it actually went into goal so that's why it wound up being a no goal and it's a bummer because Suarez has not scored in the Champions League in some time and it was initially at least really encouraging to think oh well, you know he he can get some confidence out of that he scored in Champions League again but I mean you know he basically did it
0: yeah he basically did
2: I'm not I would, about like Suarez. if I were him I would still feel pretty good about it
0: yeah, I would too. I mean, it, it's basically his goal, you know, his action created that goal. And I'm not worried about him because, especially just because on the, on the goal run that he's on right now, and the goals that he's producing as well. So, you know, obviously it would be nice because I would break that kind of drought that he had on away champion leagues matches. But again, I'm not worried. I really, you know, I really hope Brian on, on Tuesday night that, you know, Barca goes after it right from the minute, you know, first five minutes or so and just, puts a goleada on them because that's what I want to see. It's been a while since we've seen that, you know? And I also just want Messi to have an outstanding performance against Manchester United. So everyone's talking about again because, you know, here in Madrid, Brian, they're calling this, if Barcelona wins the triplete, they're calling this the triplete at low cost. (laughs) What does that mean? It just means because Real Madrid's not in any of the competitions, it doesn't have the same value. Oh... Sure. Yeah, because, you know, do you know how here we have low-cost airlines? Right. Right? So they're equating this triplete if we if complete it to a triplete low-cost. Well, like, that's not our fault. That's what I said. And that's the thing. I mean, that's – so that's the point of view that we're talking about, right? Because, you know, after the performance against Manchester United, you know, Messi, he wasn't superstar galactic like he can be, but he didn't have to be, right? And we got the result. And that's what I – you know, sometimes – when the spotlight is on the team, I really just wish, you know, I'd like to see that Messi just takes that and just, you know, because everyone always, always talking the comparison with Ronaldo and him, but also from the majorista point of view, it's like, ah, Messi was just so, so he's not the greatest player.
2: Yeah. But they're always going to feel that way. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's just
0: their thing. But you know, what sounds nice is a hot trick against Manchester United at home in champions. That League. sounds so very nice. Like this, you know? <laughs> a fr- and like a, a
2: brilliant free kick, um, uh, a cuchara and yep. some unexpected right-footed shot on the run
0: there you go there you go a messy hat trick right yeah
2: so four <laughs> nil Messi gets a hat trick suarez gets one
0: there you go that's what, Boom, that's what like i'm it. projecting i'm on board yes. the last the last thing i just have really quick you know uh, especially against this match against huesca people on twitter were just going crazy about losing points and so forth again we cannot win every match we were fine. We're fine. You know, we're still, we still got the league. But remember, this is all part of the experience, right? We're not. Thank God, we're not a team like, for example, Betty's, You know, that the only thing they have to play for is the Sevilla derby and then lose it. Okay, we're in all three matches. This, all the other teams are good. Everyone just calm down, relax, enjoy the ride.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think that there is always a um, a hope that that you can seal up the league as soon as possible, but Again, you look at the schedule we have coming up. We could afford to take that draw. We could afford to just get one point instead of three. And especially, again, with Champions League heating up, we're in a very good position. And we're only really uh, competing with Atletico. One thing that I'm not afraid of with with Valverde, for all of our complaints about him, I'm not worried about him... Um, letting it go. Yeah, right, kind of like w- like what happened with Luis Enrique where it's like the I still remember that loss to Malaga that lost <laughs> yes. us the league. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I that's one nice thing about Valverde. I'm never worried about that. Like he will get a result.
0: I agree with you. I cuz La Liga I'm I'm comfortable with how he runs it, so we'll be fine with that. It's the Champions League that I'm still worried. Hopefully, we can get through this. Again, I'm excited for the match on Tuesday. I think we will win and advance. But I just want to see, especially. I know it's going to be much easier with Dembele in there because if he's on the left, we we look good, and if he's on the right, even better. But Coutinho is not going to be playing, and that for me is happy happy days. Yeah. yeah?
2: Now, actually, mm-hmm. this makes me think of one other final thing because we've seen this in Copa del Rey, we've seen this in Champions League, at least uh, so far in the knockout rounds, such as they are that Valverde does tend to be more conservative and cautious with both his lineups and the tactics that he has the team play in the first leg, and then they come out a little bit stronger in the second leg. So do you think, I mean, it's it's becoming a real recognizable pattern, so it can't be an accident. I mean, again, for all of our complaints about Valverde, he's certainly no dummy. So do you think that, sure. th- that this is by design? And if so, what do you think the the motivation is for it? I have a hypothesis, but I'm wondering if you ha- uh-huh. I'm wondering if you have one.
0: No, I, I just think that, you know, he's never really been at this level in his managerial career, right? So last year was the debut for him at this type of level where you're in all competitions, you're expected to win, you have such a talented team. And I think he's learned a little bit. Obviously, I would I would hope that, you know, throughout the season there was more rotation just to continue those moments, minutes, and also to help nurture the growth of the young players that we have. But I would agree that the away he's going to be ultra conservative because he'd rather have the, you know, the advantage, especially coming home knowing that the space in the camp now is going to help with more goals. And, you know, as we talk about champions league, the most important thing is not to have any goals against you and get some away goals. And we've done that against Lyon, and we actually not Lyon, but in Manchester.
2: Right. Well, okay, let me here's my hypothesis as to why he's been handling the knockout tournaments this way. What was the single most disappointing thing from last season? Roma. Exactly. And what Not the movie, the game. Right, right. <laughs> the movie was great. Um the game that we lost to Roma. And why was it so disappointing?
0: Yeah, because we had the lead. Exactly. Of, yeah. Do
2: you think that he's actually kind of trying to not have a big lead? from the first leg so that the second leg, the stakes feel higher could be as a motivational thing, technique.
0: Could be. But the other thing too, Lyon and Manchester, we played away first, you know, so that's the difference as well. In Roma, we played home first and then we went to Rome on the second leg. So there could be some credence to it, but I think more it's just the situation of playing away first, which is always going to be more difficult, which is the way I prefer. I prefer playing away first and having the home back. Yeah. You know, and I think that's just worked out. But there could be some credence. But again, I we're chugging along. I just hope that we just open up on Tuesday night.
2: Yes, yes. And next week, we'll be able to review whatever happens on Tuesday night, as well as La Liga action against Real Sociedad. You'll hear from us then. <laughs> Thanks to Max Bluer this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing by Brian Henderson, music by Brian Henderson and Johannes Brahms, social media and promotion by 2. Go. Support the show through Patreon at BarsaTalk.net. and until next time, bisca Barca!
0: Podcast Network.